Welcome to the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings. For all things legal and some that aren't, I'm Dave Miranda, past president of the New York State Bar Association and partner at the intellectual property law firm of Hesselin, Rothenberg, Farley, and Mercedes. We're here today with attorney Michael Miller. He's a sole practitioner in New York City who focuses primarily on estates and trusts as well as legal issues related to aging. Michael will also begin his term as president of the New York State Bar Association on June 1st, 2018. We're gonna to talk to Michael here today. We're gonna to go back about 20 years when Michael served as an election supervisor in Bosnia. Michael, welcome. Hello. Michael, give us a little bit of a background about what was going on in Bosnia in August and September of 1996. Well, if you recall, there was a civil war there uh, that lasted for approximately four years. After the death of Tito in Yugoslavia, the various states within uh, the Yugoslavian um, Republic began to fall apart and ultimately um, uh, leading to the war in, uh, in Bosnia. And it was essentially an effort by the uh, ethnic uh, Eastern Orthodox Serbs uh, to um, uh, cleanse, uh, was the word that they used, uh, the, um, the ethnic Muslims. And the, but the Muslims were primarily in Bosnia. Now in 1996, the war had ended and there were elections and you uh, volunteered to serve as an election supervisor. That's right. And where, where were you assigned? Uh, I was assigned to um, the uh, center of the American sector. They broke Bosnia into sectors. For instance, Sarajevo was the French sector. There was a Russian sector. That was Serbia uh, and Srpska, the Republic of Srpska. And uh, uh, Bosnia was uh, the American sector and um, we were based in, the, in Tuzla, which is the second largest city in the former Yugoslavia. What were the elections that you were overseeing? Was that just for Bosnia? Yes. Uh, well, there were elections throughout the former Yugoslavia, but I was involved in the elections for, in Bosnia. And it was a fairly complicated process. Uh, there were... Um, I believe eight candidates for uh, president. There were canton, uh, which are essentially uh, county-wide uh, uh, elections. There were also local elections. So we had, uh, there were a total of 49 or, or 50 uh, political parties. Uh, we, we have trouble just having two here. Um, and so we had f five elections going on simultaneously. We didn't have the digital technology that we have here. Uh, and it, in fact, it didn't exist back then uh, in any event. Um, but if you think about what uh, the, the conditions were like after four years of warfare, uh, they were um, very modest indeed. And um, the uh, ballots were all paper ballots, uh, five different colors uh, with the various candidates listed and uh, people marked the candidate that they were voting for. And then uh, they stood online. The election 
took place on a, on a very rainy day, and people stood online for hours to cast their ballots. There, there was a remarkable turnout. Now, you were there as an election supervisor. Why was it necessary to have outside election supervisors at this election? Well, uh, it was part of the provisions in the Dayton Accord. The Dayton Accords were the agreements that resulted in the end of the war. And, and one was that at a certain point, point in time, there would be elections. Uh, while you were there as an election supervisor, there were some parties within the region that were trying to disrupt or discredit these elections. And why was that? Well, there were still significant differences, hostilities, mostly based on ethnicity. Those who had been in power, who were no longer likely to be in power, there was concern that uh, there would be retribution for you know past actions and um, so there, there were a lot of different dynamics that folks to uh, uh, be concerned about how what what would happen and uh, you know uh, you end a war that doesn't end hard feelings right now you were in the region prior to Election Day, which occurred in September of 1996. How long were you in the region I before then? I was there then? for a month. And what were, your, what were you doing during the time leading up to the election? Well, I was co-leader of a team of 16 Americans who were there to supervise the elections. And we broke into uh, pairs, and we would meet with local election uh, folks, you know, there, 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 there existed an administrative structure within each city. You had mayors and, and uh, city council people or, or, or something similar. So there w we were there to use their apparatus. It was their election, and we were there to make sure that it was uh, free and fair and that the process was one that, that would protect the integrity of the election. So election day arrives in September of 96. You're uh, the election supervisor. Um, tell us about what happened on uh Well, one of the election supervisors. Right. Um, well, lead, but leading up to the election, we would meet with the locals. We would have our, uh, we'd, we'd get together first thing in the morning because we had no cell phones, we had no, uh, no phones for all intents and purposes. Uh, the only phones that were working regularly were at uh, the Army base. So uh, we would meet up first thing in the morning with our translators and our, uh, our drivers. Uh, each, each pair had a translator and a driver. And we would map out where everyone was going to go. We would have uh, um, check-ins periodically so that one team and, and, and another team would meet up somewhere, whether it was on a road or at a, at a, a coffee house, uh, to make sure that everyone was safe. And um, we would, each pair would meet with local um, election officials to go over what the process would be on election day, how the ballots would be uh, protected, preserved, and delivered ultimately to the counting center. On election day, we all got up early. We had assignments to go to various places and to uh, um, watch the process, and if there were any problems, we had the authority 
to make decisions. Many names did not appear on the on the on the ballot lists. Um, you mean like the voter registration? Voter registration, list? yeah. And people had stood for three, four hours in 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 the rain to get their opportunity to to vote, and then to be turned away. Uh, you know that could be um, a problem. So anyway, we had the authority to either overrule the local, the locals could, could say, okay, they can vote or do a provisional ballot and put it on the side. They could say, no, they can't vote. They, they don't have incidents to prove that they, they lived here. We could overrule uh, any decision that was made. Those, but there were very few uh, situations where we really had to overrule because we were there watching and they knew we were watching and they knew we had the authority and there was a lot of uh, ego and pride involved. So then um, uh, at the end of the day, there was a process to collect the ballots. The ballots went into a big corrugated box and inside the box was a plastic bag. At the end of the day, with an election supervisor or supervisors observing, uh, each um, uh, plastic bag would be taken out and then would be sealed with a, uh, a special kind of seal that would you would know if it, if it had been tampered with. And then uh, the um, ballots were to be uh, taken to, they were collected and taken to our um, counting center, which was a high school gymnasium, and um, there were 500,000 ballots, colored ballots that I described before, that then had to be, uh, you, you had your uh, log that showed X number of people voted at this at this polling place. You first did the raw count to make sure the count was accurate, and then you broke it down by color, kept uh, counted each one, and and went on. That went on for 48 hours. The now, counting. during your time, did you become aware of any voter irregularities? Uh, no. Were there any instances where you had to step in when there was a question about whether someone could vote or couldn't vote? Uh, there were a, there were a couple, uh, but they were pretty easily resolved. Actually, the biggest challenge was at the voting at the uh, uh, counting center. It was very disorganized, and as I said, it had been raining all day. Uh, people were tired. They were irritated. Uh, some had been drinking. Uh, that that were bringing the ballots to the counting center, and we set up a um, an ad hoc system to take them in. Frankly, there hadn't been as much preparation for receipt of the ballots at the counting center as there was for every other part of the process. And so I uh, actually, with a colleague named Fred Cowan, uh, we took charge of, of this process. Fred had, was the former Attorney General of Kentucky, and uh, he we put a table right at the door. He sat at that table, and before they could bring the ballot in, he would log them in so we knew what, what uh, polling place had brought the ballots in, and then they would be directed to a particular table, you know, so we would know which table had which ballots from which polling place. And 
this took a little bit of time. I think it's accurate to say that people got very irritated, frustrated. There, were, there was a, a, a lot of uh, uh, anger, hostility. Um, and I know what it is to, to be rescued by the, by, uh, you know, when they say, you know, the, the army has arrived. We had a couple of very angry Bosnians who were, said they were just going to leave their, their ballots. And, uh, you know, we, we couldn't have it that way. And so, um, uh, fortunately, uh, we were able to work things out because the members of the army arrived and and that kind of calmed people down, you know, when they when you see people with uh, M M16. You said that you were you had the ability to make uh, decisions uh, yeah. there during the election, but I'm wondering what your enforcement capabilities were during this process to enforce the decisions that you were making. Well, it, it depended. It, it, it really depended. It depended if I had security with me or not, how bold I would be in my uh, uh, efforts to enforce those decisions. And you said the military came. Now, what organized military was... U.S. Army. The U.S. Army was the military, so it wasn't like a, 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 a local... It wasn't yes. a local uh, Bosnian military. It was the 101st Airborne Division, yes. And that helped? A lot. Yes. So you're there for the election process. You bring the votes uh, on election day, and then what happens? Count the votes. We count the votes for 48 hours nonstop. And I actually certified the election because uh, the people who were senior to me in the process had gone home, had <laughs> gone to, t to sleep, and uh, I was the highest ranking member of our of our team uh, at that point and I literally signed and certified the election. So democracy prevailed uh, as a result of the work that you did. Uh, during your time there you were you're situated in uh, a region that had just gone through a four-year civil war. Mm -hmm. What were your experiences and what was that like to be living in a country that had just gone through a horrific four-year civil war? Well, you saw the effects of the war quite vividly. You smelled the smells of the war. The smell of death at times was pervasive in different areas. The frightening reality of landmines. We were told that there were at least 6,000 landmines still situated in uh, Bosnia to stay on the roads. It was a pretty intense um, experience in, in that you saw man's inhumanity to man quite vividly. Uh, I became friendly with a uh, photographer, an AP photographer, and he took me to some places that were um, uh, not part of the areas that, that I would normally be going in as an election supervisor, and he took me to what had been um, a, a camp, I guess we would call it a concentration camp, that had been liberated less than a month earlier uh, at the end of the war, and the smells of death there were overwhelming. The physical 
environment. It was a very dark place, very dark place. Now, uh, you were there to uh, assist with the supervise the election process and to help spread democracy. Um, how does how does the the feeling of people uh, going to vote in Bosnia during that time, how does that compare to what we experience here in the United States? Oh, we take it for granted. We take that privilege for granted. It, one, I, I, I recall, I'll give you one anecdote. There was a man who was uh, uh, on crutches and uh, had only one leg. He was in an, uh, his army uniform and uh, though it looked as though he hadn't been, it was way too big on him, so he lost a lot of weight. Um, and uh, we had the authority to move people up to the front of the line if you know, a pregnant woman or with children and, you know, someone infirm. So I, with my translator, I told him we'd be happy to move him to the front, and he w didn't want to. He was proud to wait his turn to cast his ballot. And the turnout was remarkably high. I don't remember exactly what the percentage was, but it's so, so far beyond anything that we achieve here in the United States. Um, they were very proud to have the opportunity to uh, choose their, their leaders. You mentioned that at the end of the day, there were some uh, uh, people were frustrated. Some people had been, been drinking. Um, what was the drink of choice in Bosnia at the time? Was it Tito's vodka? <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it, it basically was uh, what we would call moonshine, uh, uh, shliva. In fact, a, f a funny story. When I first went to visit a local uh, election center, um, it was we were we we had to meet at a local's home. And, and pick him up. He didn't have a car. Cars were, you know, very rare. And anyway, we had to pick him up. So we get there. It's about nine o'clock in the morning. And my colleague, Fred, who I mentioned earlier, had been attorney general in Kentucky. So he knew a bit about moonshine, moonshining and, and, uh, and stills. And, and he, he went, <laughs> and he said, Mike, in his Kentucky accent, Mike, there's a still somewhere around here. <laughs> well, it turns out that we, that smell became very familiar. Every, in everyone's backyard, just about, there was a still and they produced their alcohol that they, that they drank. It, it, it was a, a very big deal when we went to the um, PX and, and bought several bottles of, of uh, Johnny Walker and gave them to each of our counterparts. A, you know, that in uh, that were the election supervisors of the locals. Uh, that was a very big deal. They were thrilled because they'd been drinking this rot gut, or gut, gut rot, excuse me, uh, for, for some time. Well, Michael, thank you very much for sharing your experience. What a way to end it, to well, talk no, about Well, no, we're not uh, done yet. We're not done yet. We have one more question for you. But thank you for sharing your, ex for your experiences and also for the for the uh, personal sacrifice you made spending a month uh, to help ensure democracy in this uh, part of the uh, part of the well, world. Well, it was an honor. It was a privilege. You know, we... Uh, being in Bosnia or, or sounds, being on the Miranda Warnings well, podcast? Well, of course, being on the Miranda <laughs> Warnings is one of the great privileges and honors of my life. But in all seriousness, the, the um, uh, being able to...
try and, and, and help people who had suffered so much, uh, who had lost so much, uh, and to, it sounds Pollyanna-ish or, or hackneyed, but it, it was enticing to um, consider the opportunity to try and help spread democracy. Great. Thanks for sharing your story. We have a feature on Miranda Warnings at the end where we ask you to share a movie book or movie, or music rather, a movie book or musical performance that means something to you that you want to uh, share with us. Anything? No, I, uh, Nothing? well, you know, I could talk, you know, I'm a lawyer, uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, film, well, I don't know. You know, I think of Casablanca. Uh, why do I think of Casablanca? Because in Bosnia, um, in the town of Tuzla, there was, uh, there wasn't much food. You basically had tomatoes and, and peppers, which people grew in their backyards mostly. Uh, but there was a pizza parlor, and it was called Casablanca. And there were pictures of, of uh, the stars of Ingrid Bergman and Bogart, Paul Henreid. I always thought how odd, how odd in the Balkans, Casablanca. Great. Well, thank you very much, Michael. You're welcome. This has been the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings. For all things legal, and some that aren't.